podcast called uh, Dub Jellyson Podcast. First ever type 1 diabetic in UFC history. Uh, doing fine, Dub. Nice to be with you. Get out! <laughs> He's like, yeah. My tunnel vision and my periphery, I'm like all field. Hey, you know how it is, Dub. Hey, when you're, hey, when you're team. <laughs> I don't remember that. That's crazy. What's up, everyone? We're back with another episode of Dub Jellyson Podcast. Today, I have a very special guest, Ryan Smith. Ryan, how you doing, man? Doing good, man. Appreciate you having me. Yes, sir. I mean, thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to do this. How's the offseason been going for you guys? I know you guys just kind of sent home your your plays for the rest of the month, but yeah, yeah, it's been it's been good, man. It's it was it was very fast, um, you know, and a lot of things going on right after the season had ended with recruiting and things like that, trying to figure out how to how to sign guys without being able to see them in person or have them on campus. But um, um, it was good. You know, things happened very fast for us, and we got we got our, our class for next year locked in. Um, so uh, it's kind of slow right now, just because our guys, like you said, finished up finals and, and headed home for the uh, um, headed home for the month of May. But we're in uh, in the works of of planning our June and July out with recruiting opening back up. Mm-hmm. And I mean, kind of talked about the recruiting aspect. Is it do you guys have like sort of pause, I guess, um, in terms of recruiting, just knowing that you can't you can't see the guys you're meeting with them on zoom and things of that nature you know it's it, not really i don't think there's a pause to it you know i think the recruiting never stops um as much film and as much highlights and as much uh um you know game footage as you can as you can watch um put you in a better position i think that that really does and then the, then the zooms are important the zooms are important i think to get somewhat of a face-to-face contact and, and learn a bit a little bit about the recruit um you know um and have them learn about us too as well is to um, give them a, a face with the phone call so um no it, it it's never really a pause to it you know it's uh, recruiting is always is an ongoing thing mm-hmm. and so you mentioned those the june and july schedules how do you guys set up those off-season workouts like how do you guys um approach the off-season um it, it really is it depends on who you're bringing in um and 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 how you think you finished up so last year i, I felt like we did a poor job of, of defending in space one-on-one um, so that's going to be a huge emphasis for us going into these off-season workouts is doing that because no matter what you scheme or no what you game plan or um, no matter what your ball screen coverage is is um, no matter what at the end of those shot clocks you're definitely going to have to have a one-on-one guard your yard situation um, so if you can do that in space and you can close out properly and keep guys in front um, and keep guys, you know, in front of you without it getting into rotations, you're going to be real tough to deal with defensively. So I think that's a huge part, um, you know, of what we want to do going into this off season. And then obviously skill work. I and mean, it's a summer is a great time to get better as a, as an individual player within your team. So, um, those two things going into the June and July are super important for us. Mm-hmm. And looking back on last season, aside from the things that you mentioned, uh, what, what types of things do you guys, do you think that you guys need to work on um, going into next season? Yeah, n- number one for us is going to be the weight room. I-, I think that's huge. I think we 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 had a huge hire um, last October with our strength and conditioning coach. Um, he's going to be amazing for our guys. And then just getting that individual attention with him each and every day is going to be is going to be massive for us because um, uh, you know we got a, we had a lot of young players and we were going up against a lot of grown men that were that were upperclassmen last year and especially with this transfer portal other teams in our conference that are going to be bringing in transfers that are older dudes um, it's huge it's huge getting that body right and making sure you don't get bumped off your spot on offense or defense so um, that's going to be big it's going to be real big mm-hmm. and I know for like high major programs like Purdue I know fans kind of want them to get every 
every guy that enters a transfer portal for a, a mid-major school like yourself. Um, what is that process of looking into the transfer portal and seeing what would be the right fit? Well, it's it, it, the transfer portal is going to change the, uh, the, the complexity of, of college basketball, I think, for a really long time. I think with that one-year transfer rule going in, and it's not necessarily a bad thing. You know, not all transfers that go in are are bad guys or they're not leaving a bad program. Maybe it just wasn't the right fit. Um, but for us, uh, it's it's finding the right, finding the right guy. It may not be the best guy at all times, but the right fit for our position and for our program. You know, we have a, a specific set of uh, principles that we – abide by in our program and if those guys are really on board with that from the jump then we know that they might be the right fit um so yeah especially at our level it may not be you know a guy transferring from a power five it may not be a guy transferring even from a mid-major maybe a great division two player and there's great basketball from nai division two three division two no matter what you're going to find great players everywhere so um like i said just that right fit is is incredibly important for us mm -hmm. yeah and i i mean even with purdue i see that Paint brings in guys that aren't necessarily the most highly recruited. I mean, you look at guys like Sasha Stavanovich or PJ Thompson, who kind of fit in that mold that we've seen over the past, what, 15 years since he's been here, right. something crazy like that. Um, so do you guys kind of plug and play? Um, if you kind of understand what I'm saying, I don't know what the word for it would be, but um, do you guys find those specific roles and just find people to fit those specific roles? Yeah. Um, you know, obviously it depends on who leaves, you know, if you, have, if you had a couple of guys transferred out, you know, maybe that guy that was there on your current roster that, that transferred out, maybe necessarily wasn't the right fit for that role that you, that you, that you need to fill. Um, so I guess to answer your question, you got, like, like I said, you got to do the best job you can of, of finding someone who's going to be a star in their role. And I think going back to paint, like you said, paint, no matter what, he recruits off the tops, even seniors in high school, juniors in high school, he finds those guys that are going to thrive in that role and be a star in that role. So that that's huge in recruiting. If you can do that, you're going to have some success. Mm -hmm. And I mean, just kind of looking at a broader picture of your, your time at um, Incarnate Word, uh, how do you feel like the program has progressed since, since you've gotten there? Um, I know you guys have had some struggles, but um, you guys are trending in the right direction. Yeah, it, it, it's super difficult. People don't like people don't give enough credit to guys who build programs from the ground up like this. This, um, you know, was was literally a, a ground buildup for, for Carson Cunningham, you know, my boss. And, um, you know, the first year they when I wasn't here, they took lumps. You know, it was as he likes, but it was very bloody. Um, and then my first year here, his second year, um, we made some strides, you know, won some games here and there, had a had a huge win at home against Sam Houston State, which was the the, the top of the conference. Um, beat McNeese at home and then this this past year you know you go on the road um, off tops to Northwestern State who was like the fourth seed in the conference tournament beat them right off tops in the in the in the conference opener on the road and then you get to this be the seventh seed in the conference tournament so it's a it's a gradual build and it, it doesn't happen overnight and sometimes it's hard and sometimes you got to really stick with it um, but like I said I don't think the general population who are basketball fans really understand how hard it is um, and then when you're in it and you're really grinding it out each day, um, when you finally have that success, it, it makes it worthwhile. Mm -hmm. And when a team does struggle, is it hard to get them to focus on um, the process as opposed to just the result? Uh, a little bit. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I think it's um, especially for, you know, 18, 19, 20 year old kids, it's, it's difficult to, to get them to enjoy winning each day. 
Um, if you go in, you have a great practice, um, but then you go, you'll get beaten a bye game. You know, it's tough maybe to to keep their heads on straight. But you know, we did get better in that in that process in that week. We we had um some some successful days. So sometimes it is, but uh, you know, like I said, when when you get down to it and you get to those conference wins or you win on the road, um, you know that that that's what makes it worthwhile. Mm-hmm. And kind of going to your uh, path as a as a coach. Um, at what point did you realize that? you wanted to get into the coaching role um, when your playing days were over? Uh, I think it was early on in my, my career at Purdue. I think it was, it was very clear to me that, um, you know, I was done playing. I don't think I would have been done with basketball. I don't think I could have just cold Turkey it. you know what I mean? Um, you know, my dad's been a coach uh, for forever. So, you know, he's probably going on almost 40 years of coaching. His dad was a coach. So um, I think just that, that competitiveness, um, and staying around that was, was really important to me. Mm. And how did you make that decision to go um, into the coaching role? I know you were a grad assistant at Purdue right after you, um, right after you graduated. So what was that process like of um, staying with the program there? So, um, yeah, when I was finishing up after my senior year playing, I was kind of decided I knew I had another year actually to finish um, my my undergrad because I was an education major and I couldn't student teach when I was playing still. So I still had to finish that up. And uh, it was actually easy. I just went to pain and said, hey, I want to I want to hang out. I want to I want to learn as much as I can on the other side of it. And he's like, let's do it. So it was I mean, it was super easy. Paint's the best. Like every job I've ever gotten is because of paint. So um you know, hung around there, learned a ton from that staff. That staff was incredible. It was Shrewsbury, Greg Gary, Jack Owens, and Coach Painter. I mean, all those dudes are head coaches now. So um, learning from them was was really important for my growth. And then uh, and then after that, I went into high school coaching. I was a, a head high school varsity coach right off um, right out of graduation. That was an incredible learning experience. Um, so it's been it's been a cool little journey. And then obviously oper- the operations job um, at Miami of Ohio under Jack Owens. He he got me into the business. Would be you know eternally grateful to him to get me into it. And then obviously this, this great opportunity down in San Antonio here with, with coach Cunningham has been, it's been a fun ride. Mm-hmm. And what was that year as a kind of a grad assistant, student assistant type role um, with paint and then um, what was that like? It was, it was a lot of fun. You know, it was a lot of fun seeing the other side of it. You, you really um, it's, it's so much different and you learn so much on the other side of it when you're, like in the locker room as a player, you don't, you don't get the ins and outs of everything. Like there's so much that goes into game planning that as a player, you don't really realize. Right. So like all that stuff that they put on the scouting report is, is really detailed. Um, and it's, it's, it's incredibly important to know the ins and outs of all of the things they put on that paper. But you know, that's just the, that's just the surface. Right. So they go in and, and they're watching all this stuff and, um, you know, hours and hours and hours of film just just for a, a game that's going to last an hour and a half. You know what I mean? It's it's so important to be that prepared and at that level. Um, and that was huge. That was huge for me to, to kind of figure that out and, and understand that that's how much and that's what it takes to uh, to win. Do you feel like you kind of took that part for granted, like just the amount of time that coaches put in or or players now might take that for granted just because they don't realize it, not because they're like being disrespectful? Oh, there's no question. There's no question. Like you said, it's not a disrespect thing. It's just like, um, I, I think the most, one of the most important person in that, in that produced program is Nick Teruso, the, the head video coordinator. Like he is a straight up, like for lack of better terms, grinder. Like he is in there grinding. Like he is on it. He knows everything. He's tech savvy. He's incredibly intelligent. So 
Um, he's probably the back, backbone of what they do game planning wise in terms of film and all that stuff. And I think that little stuff and even the managers who help um, and the graduate assistants who are there, all that time that's put in, you definitely take it for granted as, as a player and looking back on it, like now that I'm on the other side of it, um, it's not something you really pay attention to when you're a coach, but it's certainly there. It's like, Hey man, I, you know, I just put 10 hours into the scouting report. Come on, man. Like, like, can you, can you jump to the ball one time and help us out? Like it's, it's a big part of it. Mm-hmm. How much you like actually learn from the previous coaches and like paint and coach Gary, coach Owens. Um, and how much of that do you take with you and um, impl- implement that into your own coaching style? Uh, a lot, a ton, a ton. I remember, uh, um, I was actually interviewing for a for a college coaching job right out of right out of college during after that uh, student assistant year I had, and like like Coach Shrewsbury just sat me down and just like literally walked me through how to put together a scouting report, um, and I'll never forget that. Like, <laughs> I remember drawing up plays like of the opposing team that I was scouting for this interview, and he was like, "Dude, you got to like break up the courts a little bit so you don't have a thousand lines on this court so they can see what's going on." And I was like, "Yeah, that, you know that makes sense," but like little stuff like that. Um, I think the, uh, the detailed piece was, was huge with me at Miami of Ohio, um, with, with, with coach Owens figuring out like how much film you have to watch. Um, you have to watch every game. I mean, you have to watch the opponents every game before you're going into, you may not have that much time. So sleeps, you know, isn't really at a premium at when you're going into those competitions. So, um, just, just any little nuance or detail you can get to give you an advantage is worth it. Like if you have to watch, you know, an hour after film to get one little piece of what the opponent's doing. It, sh- it sure as heck is worth it. Mm-hmm. And um, kind of going back for, or going forward further, I should say, um, that job that you mentioned was Clinton Prairie. Um, so how did that come to be? And what made you want to make the jump to the high school level? Yeah, so it was, um, it was actually kind of lucky when I was in the student teaching program, finishing out at Purdue, one of my classmates was student teaching at that high school. And was like, hey, I know that the social studies job and the head basketball coach job is open up. Why don't you apply? Like, oh, it's, that's, that's perfect. It's right down the road. Like it's perfect. So I applied, um, you know, got an interview, was fortunate enough. And then uh, Eric Ork and Brent Miller down there were, were great to me and hired me. So that, that was a, a really, really good experience. And then not only that, like I knew I wanted to eventually get coaching, but I thought it was really important for me to experience small town high school basketball. And that was a thrill, man. It was, it was great. We had that thing packed out and people going nuts and, you know, it wasn't a, it wasn't a huge gym, but we had a, a, just a ton of fun with it. And those guys that I coached and back in 2013, 14, 14, 15, whatever it was, we're, we're we still tight. We're still close today. So um, amazing experience. Mm. And you kind of bounce around a little bit um, in the, at the high school level over the course of those few years. Um, so talk about that process and what those experiences were like. Yeah. So um, looking back on it, obviously you can, you know, hindsight's 2020, but um, at the time, my second year at Clinton Prairie, we had, we had won 15 games. We had everybody coming back. And uh, if I had to do it over again, I would have stayed. Like I, I certainly would have stayed. I just felt like it was a, it was a one, a school at the time. And I just was like hungry for a bigger school for some reason, which was the incorrect attitude to have, but I wanted to get to a bigger school. So I went to Anderson, didn't really work out. And then um came back to Benton Central. And that was a great experience too. I would, have, I would have stayed there as well. But then Coach Owens came through and offered me the job to, to get into college coaching. And that was, that was too hard to pass up. So it was just a, a couple of things here and there that, that made, made me move around. My wife wasn't too happy about it, but we, we made it through. She didn't leave me. So we're, we're still strong in San Antonio, but 
um, you know, again, those experiences wouldn't wouldn't trade them for anything. And uh, the relationships that I found in each spot were, were important as well. Mm-hmm. And I want to talk about uh, that move to Miami. But uh, when you're at that year, you're at Anderson. My my cousin played, I believe he was a sophomore as like my freshman or sophomore year. And we went there because we have a we have a bunch of family in Anderson. So like our whole we we're like rolling like 25 deep. So we go to the game. And <clears throat> I looked down and I'm like, is that, is that Ryan Smith? I was so confused. <laughs> and I was like, tweak. I like had this whole plan about how I was going to like try to meet you after the game and all this. I was, I don't know. I was like fangirling, I guess. And uh, it was like the first quarter and things weren't, I don't know like what exactly was happening in the game, but things were going your guys way and you rip off your sport coat and you chuck oh, yeah. it to the bench. And I, you might've got teed up. I don't remember, but. I don't know. I just thought I, th- I thought that was a funny story. <laughs> n- n- none of none of the above would have surprised me. I'm sure it all happened. There, there's no doubt. I'm sure it all happened. I, I, if you would tell me which game or what, I'd probably be able to tell you which play and what happened. But uh, no, that that's zero surprise and would have surprised my wife even less. So there, there's no question it probably happened. Yeah, my uh, my cousin plays for Noblesville or played for Noblesville. I should say. Gotcha. Yeah, they sat in the two three zone. We did have a nice dunk that game off of, off of, off of a. Uh, uh, after timeout set but yeah that was that was a good one. I remember they had a really good player I can't remember his name he was like a, a swing four man don't know where he ended up but he was really good he, he killed us down the stretch I have to think about what his name is but anyway might have yeah, been that was might have been Nolan Ginther that sounds that sounds right yeah he was they had yeah. good players they had, they had a bunch they had a bunch of really really solid players so uh, I remember that game for sure it was at Anderson yeah Yep. Uh, yeah, he, he plays at DePaul now. He actually just finished up his, his senior year. But um, so kind of going back to that move to Miami, uh, what was that process like and how much did you learn in those in those years? Uh, it was great. Um, you know, Coach Owens gave me the opportunity to be the director of ops. And in that role um, at that time, they, they've since changed the rule, but at that time, you couldn't be on the court and you couldn't re, you couldn't even rebound. You couldn't even be around basketballs with the team. So um, it was strictly um, operation stuff for me. Um, now, I, I would help out here and there putting together like shooting workouts or whatever, and which was good. But the most important part for me was learning the ins and outs of a, of a Division One program at a detailed level, budget, uh, travel. Um, one thing that I took for granted at the time uh, was really understanding that the way you put together a road trip is so huge for your success when the game starts. Like you can't just wing, you know, wing a road trip and say, "Hey, we're gonna go here." We're gonna, no, it's got to be detailed and planned. Um, so those guys are well rested, well fed, um, and your travel plan is correct. So when the game starts, they're 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 ready to go. Um, and that that's one thing that I think I took for granted in that role. Um, at the time, but it's so important. Like it's so important how you travel winning on the road is, is hard enough as it is. Um, so everything's got to be tight uh, when, when you when you do those things. But I, I learned so much. I learned, I, I thought I knew a lot about college basketball going into that position. And Coach Owens and the rest of that staff had forgotten as much as I knew about about college basketball. So it was huge, it was huge for my growth. And I, you know, I can't thank them enough for, for that opportunity. I can't thank him enough for helping me get this job currently because he knew I wanted to be in coaching as well. So it was big, you know, it was, it's, it's a experience that I wouldn't trade for anything. Mm-hmm. And then how did you, um, what was the process like of you transitioning to now being an assistant coach? at so it, it, Yeah, it was, it was insane. So I actually had, um, 
I think Coach Cunningham called me um, expressing interest in hiring me like late June of 2019. And my second daughter was born on June 26th. So I go, hey, man, I'm super interested in the job. Really want to really want to talk more with you about it. But if I go like zero dark 30 on you for a couple of days, like it's OK, I'm in the Westchester hospitals. I'll be, I'm going to get back to you here in the next couple of days. And he was fine with it. So then it started. Then it started. July happened and more, more phone calls, more interviews had happened. And he hired me, which was great. Um, but then I, I moved down here for like 10 days and I lived in the dorm for like 10 days which was awesome experience. I was a bachelor again. It was insane. Um, but the hardest part was, is flying back. And I had to recruit at the Illinois uh, university, of Illinois NCAA Academy for like five days. It was like Wednesday to Sunday or whatever it was. And then drive back to Oxford in a rental car, pack up my house and then move down to San Antonio with a, a 18 month old and a month, one month old baby and my wife. So it was like, it was like the craziest summer. Um, and like we get down here and my we, we like has like a 24 hour truck ride with towing my car behind it. And my wife's in, in our car driving the two babies down here, like the, the 24 hours that it takes to get down here. But uh, we just finally got to our house. We settled in. We looked at each other like, man, that was insane. But we're in Texas now. And, and we're I think we were where we need to be. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that is first of all, that is absolutely insane that, that, <laughs> that I, I mean, I couldn't imagine doing that. Yeah, like it was, <laughs> I think we had a, we moved on like a Monday in first week of August. And I think Friday and Saturday, we had a wedding in Cincinnati. And then actually um, Dakota Mathias and Gabby, now Gabby Mathias wedding was on that Saturday. So we drove back to Oxford on that Sunday, packed up the house and then, and then headed to, headed to Texas on Monday. So it was, it was crazy, but uh, certainly worth it. And uh, my wife said she'll do it once and then we're, we can't, we can't do that again. So, but it, it was worth it. We were incredibly, you know, thankful to be down here and uh, uh, we love San Antonio. San Antonio is a great town. So it, it was worth it. Mm -hmm. And uh, when I, I was talking to DJ Bird and he was, he was saying about uh, just like the Purdue family and how, how you guys all help each other. You bet he actually mentioned your name. Um, so what is it like being a part of that, that family and especially on the coaching side with all the, all the great coaches that have come through Purdue and um, are getting their starts now. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's important. You know, it, it's like, I told you earlier, like every job I've ever gotten is because of coach painter. Like I remember, um, I remember I was actually going, I was actually interviewing for the, the job at Anderson and um, the day Caleb Swanigan committed to Purdue that afternoon, paint was on the phone for me, helping me try to get a job. So it was like, dude, you just got the biggest recruit probably almost ever, you know, the number one recruit in the country, pretty much that just committed to your school. You should be, you know, cracking open Miller lights. You should be doing that, but you're on the phone for me. Like it's, that's just the type of guy he is though. Like he's always willing to help. Um, that's important. And then obviously, you know, the, the connection with coach Owens and then hiring me that, that got me into this business. And then honestly, Carson Cunningham, Purdue guy hiring me here. So it's, it's incredibly important. Um, that family is super tight knit. Like even, you know, every now and then we'll just, we'll call and we'll get on the phone with each other and pick each other's brains. And, uh, you know, I, I, I more so reach out to those guys who are head coaches now just to get advice on certain things. Like what was their advice on the transfer portal? Where do they think it was headed? What, you know, what would they do if they were in my shoes, all that stuff um, to take, take that advice from guys who've been uber successful. So, um, you know, it's something that, uh, that you always lean on. Mm-hmm. And going back to your playing career now, um, 
what was the process like of of narrowing down the schools and choosing Purdue? So I don't I think my recruiting process was different than most. Like I finished my junior year of high school with like zero offers, not even a letter that I've had from anybody. So, um, you know, I kind of, you know, I put my mind to, to get in the gym and making sure, you know, you work on and getting better, work on your game. And I think from like May, May of 2007, after my junior year to like the July period, I was like in the gym religiously. Like I wanted to get better, wanted to do this. So um, then we went to the It Takes Five tournament in Cincinnati and I had a couple of good games there. And then we went another AAU tournament there. And then after I got back from Louisville, we had like three or four days before we went to Vegas. But after I got home from Louisville, there was like a stack of mail, like waiting for me from my mom, like this, this big on our kitchen table. And at that time, it was all like, it was all like handwritten letters. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm not that old, but like 2007, it's all handwritten letters, like Tubby Smith, Mike Bray, like all those dudes are handwriting letters to, um, to send you. And I forget, um, again, I didn't have any letters before that. So like all of a sudden, like all this stuff showing up and I'm never, I was in between going from Louisville to Vegas. And I was like taking my high school girlfriend, like on our first date, it's like red Robin or something. I'm like, we're pulling up to red Robin. I'm like, hang on. Like someone's calling me. I got to answer this answer. He's like, Hey, this is Mike Bray from Notre Dame. And I was like, it's who like, you gotta be kidding me. So, um, it, it, it blew up pretty quick, which is, which is a really fun experience. But, um, I think uh, what was cool about it that got me to Purdue was in Louisville, it was the first time Coach Lusk, who was uh, there the first time, saw me. We went 0-4. Like, we were terrible. Like, we were coming off the It Takes Five tournament. We were all tired. Um, we didn't play well, but I was, you know, moving without the ball, and, like, the, we were running the motion offense and stuff, and um, I was shocked because then they they showed interest. You know, Coach Lusk is calling me. Coach Payne's calling me. And then I, I, I get to Vegas, had a couple good games, and then they wanted to see me one more time. So I actually hopped on Indiana elites team. Now Indiana elites team was like insane. Like it was like, like I was so far at the end of the bench. I was like a dot on this team. Like it was, it was Lewis Jackson at the point guard. I think uh, Zach Novak, who was at Michigan, um, Walter Offit, who was at Ohio state, then ended up at Ohio. And then like Cody Zeller was all on, we're all on this team. Like it was an insane team. So I hop in, hop into this tournament and, you know, just played played my role, just did everything. Didn't, didn't go wild, hit the open guy, took an open shot. And I think the, the crazy part of this, it's actually a lesson for all recruits out there. Like I didn't go out of my role in that, that tournament. And that's what solidified them wanting me to offer a scholarship because um, they knew I was going to come fit right in. Like, like about who, think about who I was coming in with mm -hmm. <laughs> like to Purdue, like all those dudes, like baby boilers, whatever, Keaton Grant, Chris Kramer, all those guys. So um, I think it was like the first weekend in August, I took an unofficial to Purdue, played three on three with some of their guys came up to the office Payne offered me a scholarship and I was on I-25 on the way home back to Toledo I called him. I was like hey I'm coming like let's just do this I don't even need to wait anymore but um, it was a very very fast process that summer was it was a blur but it was it was a lot of fun for a little bit but I don't think our mail lady appreciated you know a stack of mail that much that each day but um, super grateful and, and happy and couldn't have made a better decision to choose Purdue. Was was Lou Jack committed at the time that you guys played together in that tournament? I want to say, well, I believe he was, because this was super late. This was like the last weekend in July going into our senior year. So he had to have been. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, I know a lot of guys talk about like their first few practices and kind of the, the, the moment of realization. It's like, oh, crap, like this is the real deal. So what were those first few practices for you like? Oh, tough, 
tough, man. You got to think I was 155 pounds soaking wet at six, three coming in to that, to that environment. And, uh, um, I think my first individual workout was like a small group of like, it was me, Lewis and, uh, Chris Kramer. And like we had like run all over the place and we were doing like shooting drills and we were just, they were, they were dogging us. And the last drill was like one-on-one -on -one from the top of the key. And it was like a three dribble limit. And I'll never forget, like, I got the opportunity to, <laughs> to play offense, like, twice because you had to get a stop to get on offense. So, like, I remember handing Lewis the ball, and, like, before it, like, left my hand, he was, like, around me dunking it. So, then, like, the next time I was like, okay, let me let me figure this out. So, I, I like, then Kramer's up. So, like, I'm, I'm flipping him the ball, like, like locking him. I'm like, okay, I got this. Hand him the ball, like, woof, right around me. Like, he's, he's hang, literally hanging on the rim before I can even move my feet. And then, like, I get the ball for some reason. Some somehow I got to stop, and I like they handed me the ball, and I like pivot, and like all of a sudden it's just taken away from me before I could even dribble. So it was like it was like if it would have been on film, I'm glad it wasn't. So thank God Nick didn't do his job. Nick threw, so it didn't finally didn't do his job that day. So thankfully for that. But like if it would have been on film, it would have been something to post now. Like it would have been embarrassing. But I think you realize at that point you're like, you know this, this isn't Whitmer high school anymore. You know, we're, we're not going to play, you know, Evergreen high school in Northwest Ohio. This is the real deal. There are some straight up ballers here. So, um, yeah, I think I went in after that workout and just laid on the floor in the locker room and just laid there for like an hour, just contemplating life. Like it was, it, it took me a while to adjust. Mm -hmm. And coming into a team, like, I mean, like you mentioned with Etwan, Jawan, Robbie, Keaton, Chris Kramer, <laughs> Did that think? Did that make things easier or harder for you? Uh, harder at first. Harder at first. I, I I know for sure. Like my entire freshman year, like I didn't redshirt, but I think I played sparingly here and there in the preseason, and then not at all again once once Big Ten started, and rightfully so because there was you know all Americans in front of me. But I think the most important thing for me was like getting my butt kicked every day. I think that was so big for me to uh, to kind of realize that you know it's not going to come easy and if you work for it it's going to be all the sweeter when you finally get playing time so like my junior and senior year going into those games like it was like okay I'm not going to screw this up because I, I I took my beatings for this like you know I'm going to play you know 30 minutes against Michigan State like I earned this I earned getting whooped by each one every single day Chris Kramer beating me up every day Keaton Grant beating me up every day um, I think that was huge for me and that's something that like I think young guys going into college now can learn from too it's it's not always going to be your best day but if you can fight through that, um, you can take those hits, you can take those beatings and still keep coming back and practicing hard every day and treating each practice like it's your game day. You're going to have success in the long run. Mm -hmm. Was there anyone that you kind of leaned on to show you the ropes or be kind of like a mentor to you when you're a freshman or even a sophomore? Yeah, I think I think, uh, you know. I, my roommate was Kramer my sophomore year, so he was huge he was huge going through it because he had been through all the wars by that time. He was, he was a senior, you know, he played you know, major minutes since a freshman. So he was, he was big. I think um, one of my, one of my best friends, the best man in my wedding, Mark Wolford was huge. Um, he was a walk on that kind of understood where I was at coming in and not getting any playing time at all, but still having to practice hard every day. Um, that was a, that was a good role model for me. And then just like, uh, just kind of the guys, like my best friends now, like, like DJ and, 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 and Drew Anthrop, like those guys, um, we're really just kind of a comedic relief after practice to just like, Hey man, dude, did you see what happened to you today? Like, <laughs> like you know what I mean? Like, did you see what each one did to you today or whatever? Like it was finally like, you know, it's really not that not life or death when you, when that happens to you at practice, as long as you come back the next day and work hard. But 
I think all those guys and really everybody, it was, it was such a, a family type, type atmosphere that uh, it really kept you grounded and really kept you level-headed to, to really understand the bigger picture was making sure Purdue was, was winning games. I mean, I can only imagine trying to go up against Etwan Moore in practice every day. I mean, did he just sauce everybody in practice? Yeah, he he was he and Juwan and then Rob obviously were were, were normally would would take turns being the best player in practice. Um, but I just took it as a challenge. I wasn't going to win very many times, but I knew if I could get the small wins here and there, trying to guard each one, I would I'd be all right. But yeah, I think the uh, the most fun we had was was when my freshman year when we were just a scout team. Like I'll never forget Bobby Riddell. We we, we were going into the Davidson game, and uh, and Bobby Riddell was playing the role of Steph Curry. And I was like one of the dudes who was just in the corner, just waiting as Steph Curry was just like cooking these. And, and Bob took it as like a challenge. Like, okay, oh, I, I got the green light no matter what here. And he was absolutely murdering dudes. And it was like the funniest thing to watch because here's like little Bobby Buckets, you know, this little dude who's like going, you know, crossover, hezzy, 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 and then like dotting people's eyes from like deep. And these were like all big 10 players that he was killing. But um, that, that that's the biggest thing that stands out in my mind when it comes to like people cooking people because each one was just consistent like but when when that stuff would happen and you would and like guys like Bob Riddell would get off on those guys who were like all Big Ten all all defensive players that was like the fun for the most fun to watch because like, those guys were looking at like paint like hey and he's like yeah that's how it's gonna be like like what do you expect like this is Bob Riddell this is Steph Curry but uh, no like we had some we had some really good times back in the, back in those practices for sure oh that's funny. Um, is there, I mean, for players coming into their freshman year at, at any school, um, what advice would you give them that either someone told you or you wish you had, you had known? Honestly, with, with this day and age, with the portal, when it went the one-time transfer rule, it's, it's, it's a little difficult. I think, um, I think just sticking with it, like I mentioned, um, you know, you're as, as a, as a true freshman in, in division one college basketball, like you've got to be incredibly special to make major minutes or get major time um on, on on good teams like you just have to like either if you're a true freshman you're getting major minutes either you're really really special and you're winning games or your team's really bad mm-hmm. like that's just the way it is um so with those freshmen coming in like it's okay to take your lumps like it's okay it's okay to get beat in practice as long as you keep working at it um i think that's important for all young kids it's like if you come in and you're just given everything then when you have everything it's not going to mean as much you know, when, you, when you're playing 25 minutes, 30 minutes, I played basically two and a half years of college basketball. And the other year and a half, I sat on the bench. And I think that was the best thing for me. Um, I think late in my senior year, um, Lewis and I got benched. I think it was at Ohio State. We didn't, we weren't playing well. We got beat by Penn State at Penn State, which was, um, which was unheard of at the time. So he like, paints at us. And then I think we ran off a bunch of games in a row and beat Michigan at Michigan and and that was that. And then we got to the tournament and it was great. So I think, I think the, the bench is going to be okay in the short run. I think you, you, you don't be satisfied with it, but understand that there's, there's probably a reason for it at the time. And as long as you keep working and, and battling people each day in practice and treating every practice like it's game day, you're going to be all right. Mm-hmm. And as your career progressed, how did you assume the role of becoming a leader on the team, especially after Etwan and Jawan and Chris and, and uh, Keaton left? Uh, I think it, um, it it went from being just uh, kind of a leader by example um, for the early parts of that, um, just doing everything right, making sure you're on time for everything, making every sprint, 
Um, but then as, as time went on later in my junior, earlier into my senior year, it was kind of being an extension of the coaching staff. Like if there's a dead ball in a game, make sure you're huddling guys up, you know, at practice before a drill would start, make sure your team's huddled up, make sure they're, you know, locked in for what the, what the goal is for, for the drill at the time. And, uh, and then really using you, using your voice. Cause by the time you're a senior, if, if you can't speak to what needs to be done and what's going on to be an extension of the coach that, then you haven't been listening. So, um, I think that was important. Um, yeah. And I think like as time went on my senior year, the more and more, I think more and more vocal, but it was easy because you had Lewis who was an incredible leader. And then obviously Rob was, was an, a great leader as well. So it was very easily easy for me to fall in line with those two guys. Mm -hmm. And what were those years like with, with all the massive success that you guys had, like, are there any moments or games that stick out as most memorable to you? Yeah. You know, the, uh, the, obviously any, anything in the, in the NCAA tournament sticks out. I mean, those are, those games are special. Um, the atmospheres are special. Um, but I really think uh, ones that stand out in my mind are obviously West Virginia at home. I think my sophomore year was, was, was maddening. I think the, uh, by maddening, I mean, the, the level of, of noise was, was insane. I think the Ohio state game, my junior year when Etwan went off was, will always, <laughs> always stick out. It was like, get Etwan the ball and get the hell out of the way. Like, um, so that was, that was special to be around as well. And then just my senior year with, with, without those guys, I think the win at Michigan late in February was huge. They were like Trey Burke, Tim Hardaway, Jr., Zach Novak, Steve Douglas, all those guys. Um, and I think that win that really solidified our, our chances of getting into the tournament was was big. And it really stands out because it was like my, my my neck of the woods, too. It was like, you know, 35 minutes north of where I grew up. So all my people were there. And that that, that really stands out to me as well. Just just from, I guess, not a selfish standpoint, but um, just one that really wasn't at home that that wasn't like those other two. But um, there were there were so many. I mean, there were there were so so many special moments with that group. And, you know, a lot of that has to do with, you know, the baby boilers who grew up and um, kind of ran the big 10 there for a while. Mm -hmm. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, so you mentioned just, I mean, obviously the noise in Mackey, we know Mackey's the, the best, um, the best environment in college basketball. Um, but actually Dimitri, Dimitri Trice, who played at Wisconsin just graduated this year, put them as number one for the toughest places to play that he's ever played in. Um, but are there any other Big Ten arenas that were tough for you guys or you personally? Yeah. Um, and I, you know, we, we never played well. I, I felt like at Northwestern and not, not you know, it, it was always really loud there and it was, they had good environments, but we, I don't think we ever really played well there, but um, obviously the other ones that are super loud are the Breslin Center. You know, that's, that's a, that's a really tough one, but anytime you go down to Mackey South and Bloomington, like, you know, that, that's a, that's a tough place to play. Um, and it gets incredibly loud there, and the, the, the fans are passionate. I remember we, we pulled up to Bloomington in the, in the Purdue bus one, one night, and we were, like, unloading <laughs> our stuff to get into the hotel the night before we played um, at their place, and there's this guy, like, just peeing on the bus. He's just peeing on the bus for no reason. Um, so a lot of stuff like that would happen down there, but um, I think those two road games, Michigan State and uh, and, and Bloomington, are, are incredibly tough because they get really loud. Uh, but just, just like mem from memories, I think uh, another one added that. I just, we, never, we never played well at Northwestern. I just always felt like that. Whether we won or not, I just felt like we never played well there for some reason. I don't know why, but I think those three really stand out in my brain, um, but especially the Breslin and, and down in Bloomington. What did Paint say when that dude was 
peeing on the bus. I, I can't even remember. I don't even know. I don't even remember what happened. We were all, <laughs> we were all just getting off. We were just like, hey man, just just do whatever you need to do, man. It's you know, it's one of those things. It's just, you laugh at it. It's, he's, he's just having a fun time. Whatever. Not that big a deal. Whatever. Yeah, I mean, uh, I wouldn't expect that to happen. When you oh play. yeah, you would. Come on, you know, you know those, you know those people. Purdue fans wouldn't though. I hear you. I hear you. I don't think they want to. You want yeah, to. Want to, but <laughs> um so um last thing I wanted to ask you. I mean, we know that you had an absolute clip at Purdue. Um, uh, but aside from yourself, who do you think's the best shooter in the painter era? Ooh, in the painter era. Mm. It's very, very difficult for me to to go against Carson Edwards and Ryan Klein. It'd be very difficult for me to not put them one and one A just because of their their performance. Carson's probably got to be one. I think the performance Klein had against Tennessee in the tournament's got to be up there. Um, so probably those, you know, those 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 two guys. I'm gonna get a text message. I'm gonna get a call if I don't mention Dakota Mathias um, after after he listens to this. So I'm gonna have to put him up there. He's definitely behind me, but um, he's in that mix. Um, shoot, I'm trying to think. I think. Just those two guys, those top two guys, like Carson's probably one. Um, Klein's probably right up there under under that. Just I was actually at the game in Louisville when he went off uh, against Tennessee. I about fell off the the third the third level balcony just when he made the shot to tie it at eighty. But um, I think those those three guys are up there with, and I think that's probably a, a big reason why they had a bunch of success in their years as well. Mm, yeah, a hundred percent. I have to agree. But um, I'm going to have to wrap this thing up. Thank you so much for coming on, uh, taking the time to do this. It was, I mean, it was awesome. Hey, no problem, man. I appreciate you having me. Yes, sir. Hey, good luck going into next year and uh, stay safe down there in San Antonio. Appreciate you, man.